Hello, and welcome to the Renwick Centre podcast. Today we speak with Tom Skelton, a comedian who acquired his vision impairment as an adult. Tom speaks with us about using his comedy as a way to communicate with his audience and what has changed the way he performs. We hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to another Renwick Centre podcast. My name is Trudy Smith. I'm the manager of continuing professional education here at the RIDBC Renwick Centre. Great pleasure having Tom with us today. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Tom? Yes, hello, I'm Tom Skelton and I am a comedian from the UK who is living in Australia at the moment and I am uh, visually impaired, uh, registered blind. Uh, so I'll be talking a bit about my comedy and uh, my experiences as a VIP. Looking forward to all of that, but how did you get into comedy in the first place? Well, I first started doing comedy at university and um, that was when I was sighted, when I started university. And so I was doing improvised comedy, which is either, you know, very scary or um, comedy for lazy people because you don't have to write scripts or learn or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was, and then I did other sketch comedy and stuff through that. And when I lost my sight uh, a few years later, it was... Well, I, I continued doing comedy partly because it was uh, the only thing that I was, to my own amazement, still as good at um, as I was before losing my sight at, compared to everything else. So, like, in the, you know, I, I was certain I wouldn't be able to do any more comedy, but um, even though, uh, you know, ma- making a coffee became very difficult, like going yeah. to the shops, everything else, it was suddenly the, the, person who was directing the group that we were in at the time said come on give it a go and to my amazement I was still still great at it as good at it yeah I don't know yeah. if I was great at the time or <laughs> yeah. still pe- making people laugh but is it harder or easier not to be able to see the audience as well is it great because you can't see who's heckling you or how yeah, does well, that work I suppose with heckles I don't get away with that because most heckles are still verbal so I can um you know identify where they're coming from (laughs) yeah yeah or at least hear hear the uh, disembodied voice you know telling me that I wasn't very good but um I I think interesting with so improvise improvised comedy was the stuff I was doing initially because there's uh, nothing there on the stage you're creating something out of nothing in a way because I uh, couldn't see that there was nothing there quite as well maybe in a sense it was easier for me to create something out of nothing because I couldn't see the reality of nothing quite as much. Sure, that's an uh, interesting perspective actually. Well, yeah, I, that's how I always uh, yeah, yep. always thought it or maybe it was just um, uh, you know, giving myself courage to, to keep going. But then also I think obviously there are things in, in sketch stuff or uh, where I can't see props as well and that's obviously a bit harder but... I think always, well, I've always created ways of and developed strategies of um, dealing with it. And, you know, when I go to a new theatre or, or space I'm doing a gig, I always walk about, people often don't know what I'm doing, but I walk about 10 times to the edge of the stage mm-hmm. and just make sure I know where the edge of the stage is so that I know to stop before. Sure, you're not a physical comedian, obviously, so falling off could be... Yes, it could. Well, I do do a lot of, in my solo stuff now, um, I do do a lot of, like, costume changes and, um, like, leaping around and stuff. So it's always imperative to know 
how <laughs> hurt I could get if sure, I Sure, what your wrong. boundary should be. Yeah. Fair enough. How much of your comedy deals with your disability? Well, um, so my solo stuff that I started doing about five or six years ago, the first, well, initially I was quite determined that I was not going to be the blind comedian or whatever, which, um, you know, I had nothing against people talking about the disabilities. I suppose I was still, it was still probably quite raw and fresh and I wanted to talk about something else and be known for my comedy aside sure. and not my disability. But yep. um, in a way it was quite a naive way of trying to separate the two things. So my first two shows were, one was about the the history of the greatest football or soccer club that never existed and British history um, mm-hmm. in a nutshell. And then the second one was a dystopian sort of Orwellian show about... Um, 2061 um, from the perspective of 2016 so it was like sounds fantastic but it was lots of fun yeah Mm. Um, but there were moments in both of those shows where I would I wouldn't you know drop props or drop costumes and then be trying to look for them and uh, the audience would I think would sometimes think oh is he pretending to why is he not why is he pretending to not see that prop that's right in front of him and it's not really referenced in the show sure and I think also it was just, it was some, it was the sort of, having done football and politics, it was like a, the next big thing about my life I wanted to talk about was the disability. And I think mm-hmm. at that point also I had quite a lot of distance from it yeah. in terms of time. And also I was feeling, I don't know, confident and independent and resilient. So it was enough time to sort of be able to laugh at it and confront it. And I have to say one of the big things, even though it was cathartic to write the show and do the show and, and talk about it all, it was also just having the audience know that I couldn't see just made it so much more relaxing to do stuff because anything that was otherwise weird, like, um, you know, if people see me looking at my phone in the street or you yeah. know, holding it up close or just, um, you know, like I often chuckle to myself thinking, what do people think of me shopping? Like either as I used to just holding things up very yep. close to my face or feeling them or nowadays since I've become a late iPhone or, or smartphone others are available convert you know now uh-huh. who's this guy taking pictures of all the food yes of course so that'll actually re- tell you what you what it's taking yeah, yeah. I, I guess and, and you're normalizing the experience for everybody else too aren't you yeah by definitely. talking about it I hope so yeah because I think one of the one of the things that people often say and I, I don't know um, they definitely mean it as a compliment, but um, is, oh, I would never have been able to tell you were blind. And they're tr- interesting, isn't that? Yeah, and they're trying to give a compliment. And I, I totally, I, 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 if someone's trying to give a compliment, I, I obviously accept it as a compliment. But it's also, if you do start to unpick it, it's like, um, oh, so, you know, people who are uh, visibly blind are, mm-hmm. that's, you're saying that's a negative. Essentially, thing. yeah, you're, you're, yeah, you're right. It's uh, because things like a cane, yeah, is immediately recognisable, or a dog, or exactly glasses and those sorts of things, or yeah. So, I guess it's is it is it that people are saying to you like you're but you're so normal looking. I think that's it. <laughs> I think that's it. But I think also hopefully, and you know, I I, I haven't um, you know had the emotional energy to to analyse how much I'm myself like you know trying to pass and encouraging this and I'm sure people do that to varying degrees anyway but I suppose hope in a more positive light I I think by 
showing that there's a huge spectrum of um, people's different sight and and um, capabilities or, or or otherwise with with eyesight. Um, I suppose I'm, I'm challenging what their perception is. Like their Absolutely. perception of a blind person is someone who's very vulnerable, has a dog and a, a dog or a cane, and um, doesn't make them. You know, it's someone who they laugh at and then feel guilty rather than hopefully in my show laugh with because you've said something amusing yeah yeah, yeah exactly. absolutely is comedy a good tool then for exploring disability i th- i think so because i think there's um like in the last 10 years or so there's always been a, a lot more um disabled comedians who are working and i think by presenting um yeah but firstly presenting the disability whatever it is in in the in the powerful role so like the person on stage is the person in charge of, of that moment um, they are taking control of how they uh, talk about it mm-hmm. and how they showcase their disability and it challenges the perceptions of because I suppose it, it immediately challenges the perception of vulnerability Absolutely. and like you know the sort of childishness or the pathetic-ness that's so often like um, uh, subconsciously um, mm-hmm. yep. associated with it and then also it's just by it informs people as well because it informs people in a funny way um, people are allowed to laugh um, with the disabled person and laugh at aspects of the, of the disability because yep. no one's being precious about it with comedy but it also by relaxing them like that I think it allows people because some people have said after the show that they hadn't thought about you know things mm-hmm. things that might just you know everyday things like uh you know like going to the shop or or whatever how that's just a just a bit more tiring or a bit more difficult or this and that and um and also people i think are quite pleased to to be given permission to laugh at things that they're like oh is is anything off you know uh, we we're very progressive and we we, yes. we believe in accepting disabled people but that means that anything um funny about uh, you know what happens or what's what a disabled person does can't be laughed at but no. actually the person with disability is saying go he, ahead his, his permission to and i guess it's it's a really gentle way to educate people and you know all those yeah. all those questions that they're too scared to ask you're actually giving the information and that, that I'm sure that laughter is both amused at your stories, but also a little bit of, oh, that's, that's, that's actually, if that happened to me, that would be really funny as well. Or Definitely, definitely. And I think it's also just by, because you're sort of, as an audience member in with a comedian or with a story that a comedian's telling, you are, you know, you're, you're going into the head of the comedian, mm. you're, you're going to that person's narrative. And so the comedian's allowing the audience member to see from from their perspective so like you know um i heard another uh, uh, just a just a blind person telling a story but how um people grab you know people grabbing their arms to, to lead <laughs> yes. them and it is and most people with a you know with visual impairment of some sort of experience that and but people don't necessarily um understand that unless um, you actually explain that, you know, just imagine you don't know where you're going, you can't really see, and then someone just grabs you after mm. you've asked a question. And I think it's by communicating those sorts of things, as you say, in a, in a, 
in a way that people can relate to is yep. important. Absolutely. So you are you're really educating people as well as you know you know I've often heard that you know when you grab somebody and try and walk them that could be construed as assault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know because no one for no one else do we grab them and start moving them anywhere yeah. else but we make those assumptions. So you are doing a lot in terms of you know you're visiting Australia but I'm sure that there are people here who are grateful that you're educating the masses around on how to deal with that as well. I hope so. Well, I haven't actually. That was someone else's story, so I'll have to use use it in my new show. <laughs> you will. The grabbing. Yeah, well, I hear that story regularly yeah. from colleagues here who have vision, and as soon as they've got the cane, people look here. Let me help you. No, I'm fine. No, 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 no. I'm going to help you, yeah. <laughs> and makes them feel good about themselves as well. Yeah, but yeah. Tom, this has been fascinating as well. Are there? And I'm, we're going to talk about this um, another time, probably, but. Do Australian audiences, are we as easily amused as other audiences around the world? I think so. I think, um, so I've had a few uh, shows, like that football one I did take to Australia and, um, it, yeah, obviously I, I just included too many British references. But as long as you don't have too many silly niche British references, then um, I think the senses of humour are pretty are pretty similar and... Um, I th- yeah, I think Australian audiences are, and also you're very giving as mm-hmm. as audience members. So you're oh, that's you're good to hear. Encouraging and welcoming. I've got a show in Sydney um, on the thir- Friday, the thirteenth of December. Unlucky for some, um, and it's my new show called Twenty Twenty Visions. What if I hadn't gone blind? <laughs> that sounds fantastic. We will add a link to the show notes so that everyone can find out more about how to see Tom. Thank you, Tom, for your time. A huge thank you to Tom for speaking with us at the Rennick Centre podcast. For more information about Tom and his upcoming shows, visit his Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash tom.skelton.1614.